Welcome to Brand Designs, the podcast where we follow the stories from brand owners, founders and senior leaders in retail and e-commerce as they share their incredible journeys as entrepreneurs, innovators and troubleshooters. We hope you enjoy the show. Good morning and welcome to uh, episode one of series two of our brand design series with my, myself, James Davey, and uh, with Mr. Nathan Lomax. Good morning, how are you? Morning, James. Very well, thank you. Can you believe it? Series two, we made it. I know. Who can believe it? I just don't entirely <laughs> understand how we've actually made it to series two. But we will make it to series three, I would imagine, at this point in time. So we'll see. But today, we're very, very pleased to uh, introduce Madeline White from Junior Cosmetics. Madeline, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you guys? Very good. Actually, not too bad at all. Um, beautiful Technicolor. Various people back in the office. Are you guys back in your office yet after pandemic or...? Well, our office yeah, is kind of home anyway, so not much has changed for me. Okay, that's all good. Uh, but um, today we're really, it's a founder for founder series, as we call it. So Brand Designs is really getting under the skin of, of you as a founder and some of the things you've discovered on your journey. So um, I suppose right. the, the best thing to kind of really do is kind of kick off and please give us a little bit of background to, to, to Juni Cosmetics and tell us a little bit about your journey so far, if that's right. Yeah, so I'm the founder and co-director of Juni. Um, we are a premium sustainable makeup brand and our mission is to bridge the gap between green and luxury beauty. Um, so my background is as a makeup artist um, and I also used to model when I was younger. So my entire sort of working life has been within the beauty industry in some way. Um, and yeah, we launched about a year ago now, right in the middle of the first lockdown um, and have faced COVID obviously and Brexit. Um, and yeah, we're still here going strong, got a lot to give still. Um, and it, it's been a very interesting but positive first year of trading. I'm keen to just understand that dynamic between yourself and your mum. I believe she's the other co-director. How have you found going into business with family members? Yeah, um, it wasn't actually the intention. So I started the brand um, just myself and it wasn't until we started to um, grow a little bit and, you know, as we got into the manufacturing process, things started to build up a little bit. Um, so my mum was kind of just helping just to, you know, give me support and I found that I needed that support more and more. So she came on board um, and then my dad is actually a co-director as well, but we don't really listen to what he says. Um, it's, very, it's very much me and my mum, which, you know, it is lovely, really. I mean, we're, we're very close anyway. Um, and I think it works because we can be really honest with each other. So, you know, if we disagree on something, we're not afraid to say that and discuss it and come to a middle ground. Um, Whereas I think potentially if you're working with someone who you're not as close with, that can maybe be a bit difficult sometimes. Um, so, yeah, it works for us. It's all good. Some arguments, but nothing that's unresolvable. <laughs> you're still, you're still living at home. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're carrying on. Yeah, no um, plans to, to separate just yet. <laughs> that's all a good sign. It always gets interesting with family in terms of who takes the lead in in kind of the relationship the parent in a business often goes well actually i'm the parent and i'm the lead in this kind of uh kind of mm -hmm. they almost try and step into the parent role has that has that been an interesting dynamic for you and your mum as part of the process or it's 
It's definitely interesting. I mean, naturally, I am because I founded it and because I have the expertise when it comes to makeup and beauty and the industry. Um, I naturally am the leader and the boss, I suppose, which is interesting. I do quite enjoy that. Um, yeah, I, it's nice to sometimes be able to say, look, actually, I know about this maybe a bit more than you do. And I want to go with this decision. Um, and she's always very supportive. But yeah, I can see sometimes that could become an issue for some people. I think you need that very strong relationship to begin with. Um, I think if you're going to work with family or friends, it, it's, you, yeah, you have to have that strong foundation. You can't think, oh, if we do this, it'll make us stronger. I think it's actually the other way around. You need to start with a good foundation and um, that will help you move forward. And it very much helps with you having started and led the business in, in the outset, doesn't it? It's, you know, family businesses are often handed down from, you know, uh, father to son or father to daughter or mother to daughter, etc. So from, from a parent to a sibling. To, to, to a sibling. But um, in terms of your kind of uh, roles and responsibilities in the business, obviously I would imagine you're probably creative lead and product lead. Is there specific areas where you and your mum and your dad kind of sit in as part of the business, just mm. one with the finance. How's that kind of landed as a structure? So I am creative director, product development. Um, I lead a lot of the marketing as well. And sort of I'm the one coming up with the, the product ideas, the formulas, um, tone of voice. And naturally, I've almost become the sort of face of the brand, which wasn't intentional. Um, but because of COVID, you know, we couldn't work with models in the way that we wanted to. So I've had to kind of um, be a bit more customer facing than we originally intended. But it's worked out really well. And it actually means that there's a lot more sort of personality to the brand and trust with our customers. Um, and then my mum, Suzanne, she is more in charge of the finances. So she deals, you know, with the accounts and tax returns and that sort of thing. But really, we are sat next to each other day in, day out, and we're bouncing ideas off each other all the time. So it's very much a, a collaboration. And finding those roles in the business when you started, was it? did you sit down and go, well, actually, I, I, I think we need to separate this out. We need to have clear accountabilities. Or, because some, some owner-founders go into um, business with either a co-founder or, or, or another member of the family, for example, and, and the lines can be very, very blurred, which actually is where a lot of the complications come on, a lot of the debate, if I can put it that way, friendly debate otherwise known as arguments. Um, how, how did you do that very early on and say, well, actually, you, you're really good at finance. And obviously, you're the product person. You've done makeup artistry for, for quite a while. So, you know, that's fairly logical. But if your mum was at this, could you stay in this little area, please? Could you could you focus on this? How, how did the lines of delineation happen? Yeah, there's definitely been conversations where we've identified who's working best at what, and then we focus on that. So I used to be much more involved in the finances. Um, but as I was getting more and more busy with my other jobs, I found that I was actually losing track. And then by the time I was catching up, you know, it was better that she just dealt with it. And I now kind of, you know, we, we have update meetings sort of once a month. But other than that, I kind of avoid that situation, which is fine by me. I don't enjoy finances at all. Um, and it kind of freaks me out, actually. Um, and also, I think because I do have the more creative role, obviously, I need to be aware of 
what's being spent and where and how that's performing. But I think being dictated to by money can interfere with creativity sometimes. So I kind of say, look, what do you think of this idea? Can we afford to do it? She'll say yes or no. And then I can run with that. Um, whereas if I was you know, aware of every penny that was being spent at every stage, I think, especially with my personality, I would then struggle to think, yeah, am I doing the right thing? What direction should we go in? Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of has naturally evolved, but we also do, um, yeah, just make sure that we're still on track, make sure everyone's happy. You know, we're, we work with quite a, a big external team as well. So obviously Quickfire, um, product designers, our lab and chemist. So there's a lot of sort of conversations and making sure everyone's on track and happy with the direction that the brand is going in. Maddie, in terms of personal brand, it's obviously something you've had to pick up during the lockdown. Would you say it's something you're particularly comfortable with as your character trait or personality type? Or is it something that's very alien to you to get behind the camera, to be front and centre of every conversation? It's very difficult. Very, very difficult. I really admire YouTubers and you know Instagrammers and influencers. I think to put your life out there is just... A, a real talent to be honest to do it in such an engaging and honest way which so many people really thrive at um i really struggle with it i'm definitely getting better but you know i think the more honest and open you are i think people respect that and admire that and so far we haven't had any negative feedback we haven't had anyone say you know i think your ideas are rubbish so yeah, the more positivity we get, the more it helps grow my confidence and the more I then want to share. So it's a real sort of um, natural evolution of how it's happened. Sure. It is one of those, um, if you think about some of the biggest brands in the world and those that are significantly successful, having a right. face behind those brands can be part of what accelerates it through. I remember doing a... Um, uh, I used to work for a, for a Virgin-based uh, call centre, uh, a banking call centre, and we tested taking the Richard Branson off the adverts, and the oh. volume of calls just dropped like a brick. Because uh, he was like, I don't necessarily want to be the face of this, whatever. And then we put him back on the adverts, and amazingly, the, the you know it picks up. How much? How much do you think for you as as a brand going forward, attaching your lifestyle and the lifestyle of the product you sell is that attached to the brand and do you think customers and consumers latch onto that and go oh i'd like to be like that then i'd like to have that lifestyle how important do you think that is nowadays it's definitely important i mean because our usps you know we're a vegan brand we are completely plastic free everything has a strong sustainability focus and actually that's become very popular now and sort of um, you know, a bit more mainstream, but it has to come from an honest place. And, you know, that is the lifestyle that I live. I've been vegan for quite a few years now. Um, I try to live a very sustainable lifestyle. And I think if I didn't live like that and I was then preaching it, but not following that lifestyle, it would, you know, people would see that instantly and it would become a, come across as very fake and unauthentic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's very important, but I think you have to, you can't pretend. And I think 
people will see through that instantly. You know, even if it is just through a, a quick snap on Instagram, people will be able to identify if you're being inauthentic or not. And I'm keen to build on that topic. There's a book uh, that I've been reading and that comes highly recommended called Start With Why uh, by Simon Sinek. And I think that really interested to hear the journey. Why Why did you go down the, the vegan route, the plastic free route and everything else? What was the core decision behind that? Was it just a lifestyle choice that you'd already made? Or actually, was there an episode in your life that made you decide that the mainstream makeup wasn't for you? Mm. Yeah, it's a, a real kind of personal story I suppose but my entire life I've had quite poor health um, and a lot of what I was dealing with presented as skin conditions so food allergies and stress they would all manifest as sort of rashes, hives, eczema that sort of thing that you could physically see through my skin so that was why I got into makeup in the first place because I was trying to um, well first of all treat those conditions, but also cover it up to help build my confidence. Um, but I, you know, sort of quickly found out that a lot of mainstream cosmetic products, whether it's skincare or makeup or, um, you know, just sort of hygiene products as well, um, aren't created with the best ingredients. And so actually, it was a vicious circle because I was trying to treat and care for myself with things that were actually aggravating my skin and my conditions so it, it was that journey that really you know made me interested in ingredients and health and well-being and also treating things from the inside out so yeah it was kind of through necessity really you know our ingredients are um extremely high quality mainly organic which is really important to me um we've not used anything that could irritate most people like you know you can't say it's completely non-irritating because everyone has their own sort of reactions to things but we've removed all the sort of known irritants that usually occur in most um products and yeah it's it's kind of it's through necessity and through my journey and through working with clients and just talking to people you know friends and family i know a lot of people suffer with similar conditions, whether it's eczema or acne, and they're struggling to kind of find products that don't further aggravate that issue. So that's, that's the magic to me of the Junie story. That's why it's such a powerful message is that there's so many young ladies and in this series as well, we've got War Paint for Men joining us where we'll be talking about male makeup and actually for this particular piece, it's so important that ladies out there, um, yeah, that these kind of conditions can have massive effects to their confidence. And so that what you're doing has a real purpose behind it to say, you know what, this is something that's going to be kind to your skin, but it's also going to give you that confidence and then empower you to go and achieve what you want to achieve. There's so much more to it than just a, a vegan lipstick. And that's the bit that I guess you really want to get across. Absolutely. And I think, you know, so many people who aren't within the beauty industry, um, can often judge it as being quite fickle and quite, um, you know, it's it's not an important part of life. And I get why people would think that. But if you have suffered with um, skin conditions or lacking in self-confidence, anything like that, beauty products are a, a lifeline, really, for a lot of people. And I think a good example of that is how we've all felt through the lockdowns when we haven't been able to get to the hairdressers. You know, 
people now appreciate the importance of beauty treatments in a way that they perhaps didn't before. And yeah, the beauty industry is, you know, so important. And it, it's, it's massive in terms of money as well for the economy. It's a massive industry. Um, so yeah, it, it's something I'm quite passionate about. And it's important, that confidence piece. How much do you yeah. find in the industry you're in, in the makeup industry, that um, a lot of it is, um, you know, how do you find the confidence to, to dive into that market and go, because it can be quite a, quite a, a, a cliquey, kind of, quite a closed environment, can't it, for you? How have you found that as a, as a group or a, or a network to kind of break into? Do you know, it, I guess maybe it is hard to get into, but I think once you're in, it is so supportive. Um, the majority of people who work in the beauty industry are women, which I like, you know, I find that encouraging. And actually, a lot of them are extremely supportive, extremely vulnerable with one another, and more than happy to help each other grow, um, which I, I don't think you would necessarily get in every industry. So that's really wonderful. And yeah, it. I guess, I mean, in any industry, in any job, you're going to get some people who are perhaps not so kind and some people who are very generous and, and, and very nice to be around. And I think that's just life, you know, in any situation. Yeah. But yeah, if anyone's interested in the beauty industry, I think if you reach out to people and ask for advice and help and support, nine out of 10 times, people will, will be there to help you. And that's the thread and that's, that's come through these conversations over the last series, hasn't it? In terms of you know, exactly right. people being open enough in the industry. People are always worried about, you know, if someone came and asked myself and made the question, no question about it. It would be kind of, let's help you. What can I do? How do you kind of support you? Mm -hmm. um, so it's well, great to hear that still, still comes through in your industry as well. Absolutely. And we all start somewhere, don't we? I mean, exactly. I've had many amazing mentors in my career who have become lifelong friends and, and like family. Um, and, you know, I've been there where I've asked questions that seemed obvious, and now I can pass that knowledge on to people. Um, so, yeah, we, we all start somewhere. Buddy, we talked to a wonderful lady in Series 1 called Jess that talked about her age, and that was a massive confidence factor for her because she just turned 40, and she maybe thought that she'd missed her opportunity for entrepreneurship. You've obviously come into this game much earlier, have you found that age has helped in your journey or perhaps hindered? Yeah, um, now I think it's fine. Now that we're actually up and running, um, it, it, it doesn't bother me. I think, you know, I'm, t I'm 23 now, which is young, but I think it's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm an adult and people appreciate that I am an adult and I, I can make my own decisions. But when we first started the company and we're trying to reach out to manufacturers and sort of talking about our idea, um, I was sort of 18, 19. And yeah, so being that age and also being female, I remember phoning up manufacturers and pitching my idea and saying, you know, do you want to work with us? And they literally just laughed at me and said, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. How are you going to fund this? Um, you don't have enough experience and, and so on. So it was hard at the beginning, but now that I've proven people wrong, I think they respect my age and, and actually it's a good thing for me. How do you pick yourself up after those initial knocks? It, it, it is incredibly difficult, isn't it? But how, how did you get through that? Is there any, 
one you turn to or a mantra you can live by through those kind of first initial conversations? Oh, well, I, I joke. Well, it's not a joke. It's not very funny. But I do get very upset, you know, when when things don't go well because it does mean so much to me. Um, so there are quite a few meltdowns on a regular occasion. Um, but I think, you know, work, again, working with a, a strong team around you. So obviously that is my mum, but it's also our external team. And we learn very quickly to only work with people who get the brand, who, you know, are invested in, in me as well and my ideas. Um, and that sometimes means, you know, going with um, a supplier who's maybe not the cheapest or, you know, for, they maybe wouldn't seem ideal at the beginning, but as long as they, they get what we want to do with Junie and they're supportive of it, they're the ones to go for. Because then, you know, when there are those sort of knockdowns, you've got that team around you who are like, no, keep going. This is a good idea. It will work out in the end and we'll support you through that. Um, so, yeah, definitely surrounding yourself with a, a supportive team, whoever that may be, is very important. Let's talk a little bit about mindset. How do you, uh, well, first part of this question, how do you switch off between home and life? Because the two people you spend time at home with are the people that you work with. So it may be very difficult to not take those conversations into an evening. And the second part is around mindset. And when you do get those setbacks, do you read? Do you meditate? What do you do to kind of just regain perspective and realize that life isn't so bad? And actually, we're still going to this path. And it's just a minor setback. And we'll get there just a little bit later. Yeah, I think anyone in my position will agree it's very difficult to turn off at the end of the day. Um, you know, there's definitely blurred lines between the work day and the evening and the weekend, especially, you know, during the lockdowns, there wasn't that much to do other than work, which was good because I felt like we were achieving a lot and we were moving forward and we were getting things done. But it, yeah, it was hard and there's definitely been times of burnout. Um, I guess what I what I have to do is get out of the house, get out of the office and go and see friends who are not involved in my industry at all um, and who probably don't care that much about what I'm doing. And so then we're not having those conversations and we're just chatting about life in general. Um, and, and that's when I can truly switch off. So, yeah, socialising with friends is is kind of my way of getting my head out of what I'm doing. Um, sorry, just very quickly, Maddie, just in terms of your friendship group, this is quite a difficult question, but I'm sure many owner founders can relate to this. How have you found your friendship group has changed or evolved since starting a business? Because sometimes your friends will uh, get around you and support you and others times they may question it and say, well, why don't you just go into employment or why don't you take the easy route? Have you found to have a really supportive friendship group or have you actually lost a couple of friends because of the journey that you've decided to go on? Oh, everyone's been massively supportive. You know, there, there's not been a, a single issue with friends. I do have a very sort of close-knit circle, um, people who I've grown up with my entire life and who I trust. So that definitely helped. But also, I think, because I have always been self-employed and I've always done sort of not the typical job, I suppose, you know, working on films and being a makeup artist and sort of traveling a bit more and, and working in the modeling industry, I guess people were kind of used to that lifestyle as well. Um, 
I think the, the biggest challenge was when everyone went off to university um, and I was kind of already working a lot. I wasn't able to socialize in the same way that they were. That felt like there was quite a big gap between us. Um, we were on you know, different stages of our lives, but now a lot of my friends are in full-time employment and are following their own dreams. Um, we're, we're kind of coming together again and um, everyone sort of at a similar position, which is quite nice. We can kind of share our, our worries and we get it, even if it's in a different industry. How do you find about working with friends? Do you see any of your friends going, oh, do you know they'd be perfect for that? Do you know, they, they, they've got a PR and social role in this agency. How I'd love to poach them in the future. Have you, how would you feel about working with some of your network of friends? Do you think it's ever in that, on the cards? Yeah, I think it would be. Um, I mean, my best friend works in marketing. My boyfriend um, is just completing a business degree. So, yeah, there's a, we, we're bouncing ideas off each other as well. And quite, you know, there's, there's times where I've posted things on Instagram or said, what do you think about this idea? And they look at me like I'm crazy. And, you know, that's fine as well. And as long as they have constructive feedback for me and, and can help me redirect the idea into something that, you know, is, is maybe um, a bit more suited to what we're doing, then I'm, I'm all ears. I'm, yeah. It's, it's, it's always good to have people give honest opinions as long as it's in a pleasant way, I guess. Buddy, the university or not debate continues to rumble on and actually it's a topic I'm incredibly passionate about and great that you've chosen the other route just like I did. But really keen to see if you've started to get to the stage where you resent that decision and not because the business hasn't gone as you'd hoped, but actually because you feel like you've had part of those years stolen. What I certainly found, and perhaps you'll be able to relate in, uh, if not now, then in a couple of years, is all those friends that did the university piece, that had the nights out, that just had no cares in the world, suddenly you've always had cares in the world. From the second you left school, suddenly the business has been very, very important. And actually those days of waking up at 11 o'clock and eating Cocoa Pops in bed till two, and then just watching Netflix all afternoon, like we, we didn't get that chance. Do you think that you'll live to resent that? Or actually, do you see that as a almost a, a piece of motivation to inspire you to say, you know what, I'm gonna to prove to people that there is another way, not just university? Um. Do you know, I think I used to care more, but in hindsight and seeing how much happier my friends are now, now that they're working, I think university is possibly a bit of a bubble for a lot of people. Um, it's, I think it's great. I definitely considered going. There's, I, I would like to go in the future, and I am actually currently studying via an online university. I'm studying nutritional therapy. So it's, it's definitely something that's actually been part of my life just not in the traditional way um yeah i don't know it i think as long as you've i mean i even though i didn't go to university i've gone and visited friends at university so i feel like i've had that lifestyle a little bit at the weekend and then i just have to come back to reality on the monday morning which isn't always very fun um <laughs> <laughs> Which comes back to your break from break from the workday, doesn't it? In terms of yeah. that, that's your separation time. Let's go and let's go and do what we love to do. Uh, it's kind of let, yeah. let's get some headspace. Um, yeah. I suppose. Do do you think there are coming back to that that online learning piece? Um, how do you find the time to do that alongside everything else? 
Um, ask for extensions, <laughs> basically. Um, when I started my course, I really thought, you know, I'm the sort of person that likes to get things done before the deadline, um, hand it in early. And I really thought I'd be able to do that. And as I was going through the course, um, not only was it a lot harder than I expected, but also with a business, sometimes things come up and no matter how much you plan and how diligent you are, sometimes you just can't avoid working until midnight or working over the weekend. So that definitely ate into study time. Um, so yeah, I just had to sort of surrender to that and ask for extensions and um, and prioritize studying sometimes and then other times prioritize working. And luckily I've got you know a team around me who can sometimes pick up the pieces if I'm not able to um, commit the hours that week. Um, and other times, yeah, getting an extension is very helpful. Um, even though it was hard for me to do personally, it was hard to ask for that. I felt like a bit of a failure, um, but it's definitely not a failure. And as long as you get there in the end, I think that's something I'm learning. Perfectionism um, isn't always the answer. And I'm trying to learn, actually a mentor told me the other day, try and, um, you know, as long as you're working to sort of 75, 85%, you're good. Not everything has to be done to 100% because it's impossible. Um, so yeah, the 75% rule, I would say. Mally, launching your business at uh, a young age is one thing. Launching it in the depth of a pandemic is another. Like, absolutely extraordinary. How do you regain that perspective and just remind yourself how far you've come? Because as an owner-founder, you're constantly pushing for the next contract or the next improvement or the next sale or whatever it's going to be very rarely do you take time to reflect on just how far you've come is there anyone around you that helps to just ground you and remind you of just what an achievement it's been to get this far yeah definitely i think recognizing the achievements is definitely important and it is easy to overlook those achievements sometimes um i think to be honest actually one thing that we do is share our achievements on social media so if we've had a great piece of press coverage or um we've you know been shortlisted for an award or or something like that sharing that on social media getting our customers involved in that experience and how excited they get by it is really a boost for us um and and yeah just sort of just taking a moment, I think it's all too easy to get ground down by the not so good experiences, but actually, you know, even just a small achievement should be celebrated. Um, and, and that definitely keeps you motivated and keeps you going forward. Um, so yeah, yeah. In terms of those objectives and those your goals. Question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was bang on. No, very much awesome. Okay, I, I, I think it's, important to set goals and objectives and it's important to build that talk about setting flags so you can set your flags within a reachable distance rather than something that you can't see over the horizon so it's it's kind of how did you set your objectives for a business and are you are you evolving those or it's like we want to be the x how did you come to those objectives what was the process you went to yeah so i guess our goal at genie is to become um, very well known within our niche. So 
you know, at the, at the moment we are retailing lipsticks, but we have other products in the pipeline. But I don't want to, and I don't think it would be a sort of attainable um, goal to think that we could rival the massive brands like L'Oreal. And actually we're not like L'Oreal, so we don't want to get there. What we want to do is be the best within our niche. So that's within sustainable premium beauty. Um, and yeah, become the go-to brand and and sort of pioneers and thought leaders within that niche. So I think, yeah, setting goals that are um, for far in the future, but also sort of daily and weekly goals so that you feel like you're ticking things off as you go, but also you've got those sort of bigger um bigger goals that you'll get to eventually. Um, and yeah, breaking it down. So I think what I tend to do is think, okay, what's my ultimate dream? What would be sort of the best thing ever? And then working backwards from that. So, you know, what steps do I need to take to get there? Um, what problems might I occur as I'm, as I'm trying to get there on that journey? And yeah, kind of, celebrating the wins as we go rather than waiting until that that final destination before we celebrate it's about celebrating the journey as well what is the final destination i'm intrigued what what is what does success look like what is that end point i think definitely to be exporting worldwide you know there's some amazing cultures and um and sort of a huge amount of diversity that we'd like to tap into. Um, and, you know, there's always the possibility of being able to travel to those places to find out more. So that's always nice. Um, so, yeah, we, we'd definitely like to sort of be a worldwide company. Um, definitely expanding the product range. I always want to keep things quite sort of um, niche and a, a capsule collection we're never going to release products just for the sake of keeping up with release dates but there are a lot of ideas that I have so expanding that range and and just sort of yeah becoming thought leaders I guess I you know I've said before this is so much more than just lipstick it, it's so much more about um, self-confidence and the environment and sustainability and how things make us feel and yeah talking about that and and sort of yeah getting that story across and people appreciating that that's definitely a big goal of mine do you think the world is changing in terms of its perception of product in terms of people's desire to buy from a brand that is more ethical and more sustainable or is, or is that more what we as this little microcosm in this this part of the the world are talking about in terms of being more sustainable. Do you, do you really think there is enough change out there to make a difference? Absolutely. I think people, people are more aware of the impact that consumerism is having. You know, I think Blue Planet was a big turning point for a lot of people. It, it took um, the environment and put it in a way and on our tellies that made it it very visual and it was very easy for people to understand okay what we're doing is impacting our planet and we do need to make changes um so yeah awareness is growing um people are, are looking to be educated and i think 
by purchasing products, every time you purchase something, you are, um, you, you know, you're voting for the sort of world you want to live in. If you go to McDonald's, you're saying that you agree and that you are supporting what McDonald's are doing. If you go to a local coffee shop that only um, supplies organic, um, sustainably sourced coffee, you're supporting that sort of lifestyle. And every time we make a purchase, um, you know, that, that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're making a change within the world. So people are definitely invested um, in brand, in story, and also in an understanding of how their product will affect them and the planet. Maddie, I, um, I appreciate that time is of the essence and we're coming towards the end of today's episode. One game that James and I always love to play is to say if you could choose any influencer or any online brand that you just aspire to be to or think actually perfectly resonates with that with your business, who would it be and why? Oh, God. Um... Is there any celebrities out there you think, you know what, wouldn't it be amazing if they were the, the face or the champion of Juni Cosmetics? We haven't had Nathan Lomax yet, so... You know, I was going to say, surely it's a matter of time before I get a shout-out, but maybe not on this one. <laughs> Do you know, I think for us, and this probably plays quite well into our ethos as well, I don't think it is just about one person. There's so many people who I come across on a, a daily basis um, people in real life, but also micro-influencers, um, up-and-coming artists, you know, other brand founders. They're the people that inspire me most. And they're the people, if I see someone like that supporting Junie, um, wearing our products, using our products and, and, and talking about us, that is amazing to me because it means we're reaching real people. And it's not just about, you know, how much money can you pay um, to an influencer, how much marketing budget do you have? It's about actually getting that product in front of real people and, and them enjoying it in their day-to-day -day life. So I wouldn't say there's one person, um, but a whole group of people, and, and that would mean more to me, I think. Could you call them there's no five? such thing as a right or wrong answer, but that's got to be pretty high up there. I reckon that's a that's bang on. <laughs> it's not really a movement, is it? But it, would you say it's more of a tribe? It's. I, I think it is a bit of a movement, you know. Stepping away from what is easily accessible and actually making your own decision and educating yourself before you purchase something and investing in a brand. Um I, I think that is a movement and it takes courage and you know even talking about being vegan it's it's more accepted now but there's still people who judge it and for a long time people thought if you're vegan you're a complete weirdo and it's only through movements like that that we are where we are today um so yeah no i think it is a bit of a movement um, it's the same with sort of refill shops you know grocery refill shops it's a hassle to go and do that and they're not everywhere and you have to you know think about going to those places and what jars you're going to take with you and how you're going to get it all home and but the more people that do it the more it will evolve and the more mainstream it will become and eventually the easier it will become which can only be a good thing well i, I can see your passion around it which is which is fantastic and i can see that your passion for this, uh, that kind of the movement is actually the passion that guided you into starting something that you know, 
appointments. I, it, it sounds as though it's going to become really, really exciting in the next in the six to 12 months. So um, thank you very much for joining us. I'm afraid we've, we've been brought to a close, but um, it's been fantastic to have you on board. And Madeleine, thank you for your openness as for all, all of our guests who surprise me every single week in terms of you know their, their willingness to share on, on brand designs here. So thank you very much for joining us. And um, for anyone else that uh, wants to check out uh, Juni Cosmetics, J-U-N-I Cosmetics um, is the brand. And we hope to see you uh, develop and flourish as a brand in the very near future, which I think is probably in the absolute definite. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. It's been really lovely. lovely to see you. Take care. Take care. Nice you soon. Thanks, Marie. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Brand Designs. Make sure you follow us on social at the Armoury Agency to be notified as we release each new episode. And if you're a brand owner or know someone who'd love to be part of our next series, drop us an email to social at the See you next time.